Say why? Why? Say wham? Wham. Say why wham? Why wham? <laughs> Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast behind the sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Sermon. Uh, my name is Pastor Andrew, and I'm here with Pastor Nate and Pastor Jeremy as we jump hey. into week two. <laughs> you just Nate's... took my name? <laughs> Nate hasn't you said both of our names, and then you pointed at me. Well, usually people point at me. You just say something. I mean, Sorry. Usually it means go. I just thought it was funny that he definitely left room for us to say something, and we just left him, <laughs> left him <laughs> hanging. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're in week two. Sorry, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, we're in week two of our series, Gideon. So, Pastor Nate, you are back from a dirt biking trip to West Virginia, where you almost threw your dirt bike over a two hundred foot cliff. I did throw it off a mountain. Thankfully, it hit a fallen tree about 15 feet down a steep embankment. <laughs> and that saved my entire weekend. Probably saved my marriage, too. <laughs> I was going to say, what would happen if you had lost it? You just would have had to come home early? No, and you would have been well, out no, the price I of a trip. I probably would have tried to find something to rent. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm I couldn't here. come home because I, I drove to my brother's house in Virginia and then oh, we okay. drove eight hours to West Virginia from there. Oh my so gosh. I was riding with him. We put my dirt bike, his dirt bike, and my nephew's dirt bike all in his truck. So you were there. So you were there to stay. I was locked in. <laughs> and how early on did, the, did your back, because you talked about in the sermon, your back, that was, so that was like the first day. Um, it was uh, Friday morning. So we rode Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Friday morning, it hurt. Oh, okay. So I was grunting and grimacing as we continued riding to the next town to eat lunch. And then I started taking ibuprofen after that. And uh, then it was manageable. Once the adrenaline kicked in and the ibuprofen kicked in, then it was manageable. My back hurt less on the dirt bike than it did in two pickup trucks and the 18-hour ride home. <laughs> That's fair. That's hard, though. But segue <laughs> back. And, and, and let me just say this, in case anybody thinks like, wow, he's so cool riding dirt bikes, doing wheelies. No, I'm holding on for dear life. I'm the <laughs> slowest guy of the whole crew. They're waiting for you. They are waiting for me the whole time because I just can envision myself crashing and like just hurtling yeah. toward a tree. But despite you being unqualified, you still <laughs> did it. I still win. <laughs> These are the best years of my life. So I learned how to dirt bike when I was 40. So in the last yeah. year, I've gone twice. I learned. I went skiing for the first time this winter. Yeah, that's um, good. I had a teenager for the first time in my, <laughs> in my 40s. So a lot of, that's funny. A lot of new things. That does give me a new image for your dirt biking trips because I never, I always thought, now I just see you coming More scared slowly. than initially. <laughs> I'm doing the Superman, but not on purpose because I'm flying off the side of a cliff. <laughs> I saw I only flipped, I only flipped off the dirt bike over the handlebars once. I don't have a context I, to know if that's good or bad. <laughs> for me, that's pretty good. I mean, I, 
I'm anticipating crashing at every corner. So the fact that I rode for three days and only you flipped over the handlebars once and landed on my back is pretty pretty good. That's impressive. Congratulations. Only one bruise, only one bottle of ibuprofen. That's good. <laughs> That's good. The jumbo bottle. We're fine though. It's all good. So then I preached. Then you preach, yeah. Gideon week two. Gideon week two. So we jumped, yeah, we jumped into Gideon week two, which was the whole idea was, um, you know, God can, but will he actually? And so you really broke down wrestling through that in our own personal lives. And um, even shared a really good story about it when you talked about you had an experience with it when it came to your back because you didn't expect God to heal you. And, and I got what I expected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so stupid, right? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good Maybe point. God will surprise me. Like, <laughs> I, you get what you expected. Like, I think maybe God could have healed me in that moment. And I think maybe he at least partially did. But I just, why would I think that that's bothering God? There's something mm-hmm. wrong. There's something mm-hmm. wrong in my mentality, in my theology, that I would think asking God to pray for my hurt back is bothering him. Yeah. It's not a bother to him. And he's not like, oh, I gotta waste my finite power. No, he has infinite power. Right, so yeah. it's not like if he heals my back, then he's gonna recharge like a halo shield. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I think. That's um, you talking through that. That's something we talk through, like even with our our worship teams, and you know, wanting God to show up in services, wanting God to speak to you in in youth convention versus Sunday morning. That whole like you get what you're expecting, right? Not like God can only do what you're expecting, but that's as much as you're willing to let God in. So, all right. God just gives you that. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's kind of, that's an interesting, I've never heard you put it in like just that sentence like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's like, it's even sometimes. So for me, when I was thinking through even last night when we were at worship night, it's like, oh my gosh, this is such an amazing experience and it's so much fun and things like that. But it's also that internal wrestling match of like, why don't we just do this every Sunday? Why, why is this different? Mm. You know, why can't this be the feeling you have every Sunday that, you know, we're this excited and this enthusiastic and this. And I think it comes back to that idea of like, well, you're expecting something because it's a worship night. Like it's, and you don't even mean to do that. Yeah. You don't mean to do that. But I mean, there's a lot of hype around the idea of putting aside a night for it. So you just, you know, you do anticipate it a little differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel the same way. I remember at going to like a, I think it was then called a Zion experience, right? Yeah. At the at the North Point Bible College, where they did like a healing service, and Pastor Rob was the one who brought me there, and they did like a whole healing service, and they were like, anyone you know with a certain problem, and and Rob was like just trying to think through something. He's like, I mean, I got I got a flat foot. <laughs> Right, and he went up and and he said after he's like, I wasn't expecting to get get healed because that's a dumb thing to go get healed. <laughs> but it was like they were pressuring, not pressuring, but they were pushing like to just go up, whatever you have, like whatever. And he went and ultimately wasn't healed. And he he kind of felt the same way. Like I don't know why I even went up. 
why would I get up and ask God for something that I'm not expecting to happen? And like, you know what I mean? Like he felt almost silly after because he was like, I knew it wasn't going to work. Not because God didn't want to heal it because I went up knowing it wasn't going to, like I just made the decision for God. Right. Hey God, this, this is not worth your time. So I'm here, but you know, really don't do it because I know it's a waste. Yeah. You know what I mean? We do that in a lot of things. Yeah. Way too many things. It's sad. Why do we think of God that way? Where does that come from? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately because we want to, you always want to try and, or maybe we just have a tendency to always want to think like, well, if, you know, if I function like God, I would want to do it this way or whatever. And so you think through like, is it that important is it that important to you? Do you think God should be working on something else instead? And so you're like trying to prioritize for him as opposed to like actually just trying to take in everything that he wants to give you. I feel like there's, if you've ever seen the movie Bruce Almighty, there's the scene where he starts getting everyone's prayers because he's given all of God's powers in it. And he gets, starts getting, and he just gets annoyed because like, he's like, okay. And he's like going through the emails because that's how the prayers are showing up. And he like responds to like 5,000 and he's like, all right, how many do I have left? And he had more than he started out with. And oh, he yeah. just gets frustrated. And like, that's how we conceptualize it. Oh yeah. Because we're so, we're, we're, that's how we think God is dealing with is like this inbox of things. And he gets done with 5,000 and he's like, I got another 10,000 right. in the amount of time. And like that. I had a, I had a conversation with one of my younger sons in the last couple of weeks about this. And he was trying to understand how God can listen to more than one of us at the same time. Mm. Oh yeah, and and I was just trying to teach him like he can listen to all of us simultaneously, the whole world. We can all we, and not even what we say out loud, but he's listening to all of our thoughts simultaneously. And not only that, but he can speak to us all simultaneously. So he's not have to go one at a time. Like yeah, okay, I spend time with him. Now I got to go spend time. He can speak to us all simultaneously. Yeah, and he can do miracles in all of us, the nearly 8 billion people simultaneously. There's no limit to him. He is Was that hard? Was that hard for him to like figure out as you were walking through that? I think it just, right? It just kind of blows your mind. Like how? Yeah. Dude, that's why we we worship, right? Yeah. Because he is way, he is way beyond our capability, our understanding and that is why he is God mm. and we give our whole life to him. We would trust him with everything. Yeah. He's way more powerful than we are. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a, yeah, that's a good thing to talk through. Like, cause it, a lot of times I think we, un, and I think it comes back to what you were saying. Like we underestimate how other God is, how different he is. Right. Like we can't even, you know, we, we can't, we, we unintentionally put him put these limitations on him. And it's so hard for us to even consider unless you're sitting there and actually think about how different even his concept of listening and hearing and speaking and stuff is. And so it's, it's hard for us to wrap our head around what it means for him to say, yeah, I am all knowing and all present and all powerful. And we can't even. Do you, uh, just processing out loud here. 
Because if I do it silently, it doesn't make for a very good podcast. <laughs> right. But Correct. do you think that we, um, uh, that one of the reasons why we're not asking God for something is because one, we're afraid he's going to, he's going to say no or not do it. But the other part of that is we, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I've just seen a lot of people who stop following the Lord when God doesn't answer a prayer. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't think my faith is that weak, but I think if that's one of the reasons why we don't ask God for a lot of things, because if I ask him and he says no, or he doesn't answer, then is my, am I going to walk away from him? Right. I'd rather just follow him and receive no benefit <laughs> yeah. than maybe walk away from him because he didn't answer a prayer I needed. I don't know. I don't know if that comes into the mindset. I don't think that my faith is that weak that I'm no, purposely I'd say, protecting it. I see the opposite. So you shared, what was it? You shared two stories in your sermon. I think it was two where um, you prayed for something and it was wrong. So you prayed, you talked about your back being prayed for and you talked about your girlfriend. And I actually... I made that a point when you were talking through it. Like, man, Pastor Nate has prayed for these things like so often. One, you're fully okay with on stage talking to everyone attending saying, and ultimately that didn't happen. And then you keep talking about your like your faith that in God that you should have. And I thought that was really kind of cool that like <clears throat> you shared stories where it didn't work through, but you still have like this faith in him. So it's, I feel like it's actually the, the opposite for you. Like your faith is way stronger than the miracles that Jesus provides. And I took note of that while you were preaching, like, Oh, mm. this is kind of, this is interesting that you have these points to bring in. You made me think through too, like the classic, there's like an insert that I feel like a lot of people say, which I catch myself saying too, like when you're praying for healing, where we insert, um, if it's your will, heal this. Right. Like, we, like, so it gives us an out, right? Like, yeah, so we're prayers. scared to, I, well, Jesus just was like, stand up, be healed. And then he tells us we can do that too. And then we're like, stand up, be healed. If God wants you to, if it doesn't work out, he just didn't <laughs> want you to right now. It's okay. Yeah. I'm scared to pray some prayers because I don't want to look like an idiot. <laughs> like, right, that's, yeah. that's a big like I feel like that's viral one of my- video. Pastor Andrew yelling at someone in a wheelchair. Get up and walk, <laughs> please. <laughs> but like that's one of the ones that I think for me is is a legitimate challenge. Is like sometimes it's like I don't want to, or even if I do kind of pray it, like I don't want to tell people I prayed for it because then <laughs> then it's like okay, now other people are in. Yeah in on it. And I, I don't know what the right answer. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like Gideon might not have told anyone he was laying out the fleece and stuff like that. But you know, so maybe it's okay. That's something. Yeah. Everybody was mad. Oh, look at him. He's so bougie. He's putting out rugs. <laughs> <laughs> he invented the throw rug. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, and so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think one of them too is potentially like the, when you're talking about, maybe you don't ask God, I was thinking like, if I work somewhere and I never ask for a raise, I'm never frustrated that I didn't get a raise. 
And so I don't even have to worry about being mad that I didn't get a raise because I never right. asked for it. Mm. Like it's that meant it, there's a little bit of that in yeah. it. So like if I go and ask my boss and they say no, that hurts sometimes more than if I just never asked and it never happened. Yeah, I, I think so. There, right there's an achievement. God hears all my good works. Mm. What do you mean you're not going to do it? And then mm. we start getting bitter, and all of a sudden, our motivations of our heart are revealed. Yeah, we weren't serving the Lord. We were building our resume. Mm. We were building our credentials to yeah. say, "Hey, God, how about you make me the leader of your army?" Yeah. Huh? Huh? I look would like it, to look cash it. in. <laughs> Cornhole champion. <laughs> and then he's like, nah, no. Are you kidding me, God? After all I've done for you? Yeah. yeah. Which happens later in the story. Gideon has to deal with a tribe he didn't call to help him. They come at him and they're mad because Gideon defeats the Midianites. And then this tribe comes and is like, why didn't you call us? We're great warriors. And Gideon has to like deal with... Uh their egos. He has to deal with them being like, yeah, cool. God saved Israel. Our people aren't going to be killed, but we weren't a part of it. How dare you? <laughs> and there, and so there's this moment where Gideon, Gideon deals with it and, and uh, has to deal with the egos of people who had that mentality and, and who showed up with that, who, if they had shown up would have hijacked God's mission mm. because they, they had that. And they would have wanted, they would have almost wanted to do it on their strength. Yeah. Right, they would have wanted to carry it because then it's like, yeah, well, we're we're great warriors. Mm-hmm. the The part that I always feel like it that skews it for me when we're talking through like believing God to move is like that whole. I don't I don't remember how it's phrased when people talk through like being prepared at church. Like you should put in your efforts to, you know move people into some sort of discipleship. You should put these efforts in and and then other people argue like, oh, well, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that'll work and convict. And and the, the way that people always work through it is that whole like you work like it all depends on you and you pray like it all depends on God, right? That's the, mm-hmm. yeah. I always have trouble with the second half. Like I wanna, I always work like it all depends on me knowing like God will come in but I always have trouble like praying like it all depends on him. And and part of me is always like, I want to default to like, well, I just want to kind of, I need to figure it out because that's my my contribution to, to God. Like I want to give that to him and it's, just thinking through that. It's hard to know where the natural ends and the supernatural begins. Yeah, Drawing that line sometimes of like, okay, I am going to work and I'm going to do all these things, but where do I start to say, okay, God, like I want, this is where the supernatural has to mm. has to make that effort, and so you can get you can get mixed up in drawing that line sometimes. I think if yeah. you're not praying, then the natural never ends. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You are able to find out what you can accomplish on your own. Yeah, uh, but the, the sad part will be when you realize what you accomplish on your own, and then you realize God could have done infinitely more than yeah. that. I should have prayed. Yeah. And um, we, the other part of what you said is people think following God is a passive experience. Mm. The Holy Spirit does everything. We don't have to do anything. Right. Well, there is nothing. I don't think you can back that up in scripture at all. Yeah. Uh, what the, the uh, to, Probably to me, one of the most complex Bible verses is, 
um, the kingdom of God advances and the violent take it by force. Is that the exact quote? Let me, um, but that's like one of the most perplexing verses to me because is it um, commending like this, there, there's an implication here and as I've always understood it, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and the violent people are attacking it. English ESV, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. But anytime that's been quoted to me, mm-hmm. it's been a positive statement. Huh. The violent take it by force. And it's like a prayer over me. That you would be violent. That I would be taking hold of what the kingdom has. Mm. And it's always been one of those things. But to me, that's just, uh, you know, without doing a study on it, because the part of it is that I have to be active. Yeah. Mm -hmm and what God's calling me to do. God doesn't say to Gideon, hey, all right, sit back. Let's watch what the Holy Spirit can do with the Midianites. Right. He says, mighty warrior, you're going to lead. And God always uses leaders. Yeah. You can't have a church without a pastor. You can't have a school without a principal. You can't have a, a home without a parent. Um. You can't have a move of God without a leader. Yeah. God always raises up a person. Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Samuel. Uh, you guys talked about Samson last week. Mm-hmm. Um, John the Baptist to yeah. lead the way for Jesus, to lead the way for Peter. Yeah. And the other apostles. He always uses leadership. Yeah. And leaders have to be active and involved in people's life. Um, it's it's pretty much like it's the primary function he wanted for us too, right? Ever since like ever since Eden, that's the whole point of us being there. He made a creation. He wanted people there to work it now, like to to move it along, to literally participate in continuing creating. Yeah, multiply it. Right, multiply it. Like his entire goal for us was always to like, hey, let's see what we can do together. Like, that's like his whole idea. So it's like, yes, the Holy Spirit could do it all. That's probably insanely boring for God because he created you for a relationship to work together, to like do things together. So it's silly to just be like, oh, just wait on the Holy Spirit to take this over because then like literally God's there like, no, no, I'm waiting for you. So then we can do it together. That's the whole point I made you for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you end up seeing it like when you look at like the story of the talents, like he gives it to the servants to go do as, yeah. as they will. It's like banks existed. The master knew. The master could have left them invested. Like he could have done things with his own talents. Yeah. Like there's no reason to give it to the servants. Why on earth would you do that? You could better steward your resources. Like God could better steward his resources than we can. Like yeah. very easily, you know, but in that moment, like he's utilizing 
people to participate in in the in the process and, yeah. and in everything. Absolutely. So yeah, and well, I think that works through really well of that type of mindset. But you were you were talking through a little bit of the well, I guess not the opposite, but a little bit of the opposite of instead of being like, Oh yeah, God has it all. This is now we know God's calling us into something and we want to back out of it, right? That you kind of talked actually no, you were kind of recapping his sermon for that, Andrew's sermon. When you when you respond with your credentials like yeah. the negative ones not in the positive yeah the nail way. technician yeah yeah that, yeah, that was funny <laughs> i was hoping you make who's the guy who's the famous youtuber that became an mma there's a youtuber everyone hates oh uh one of the paul brothers yeah logan paul logan paul, logan paul. I thought you were gonna make a Logan Paul reference. I, I probably could have. I couldn't I'm not think that of the name. Hip. <laughs> not that cool. I am only that cool because of uh, Pastor Andrew mentioning it. But um, but he did that. Yeah, he be- he was a YouTuber. He became. Either way, it just worked out that way. But um, but yeah, I just you know we we talked through like people who would just want to sit around and and wait for the Holy Spirit. But but I think just that whole. This week t- touched me in the sense of um, I know God wants to grow His church, but will He actually? So I need to like this. It hit me. So will He actually? I have to do everything that I can do, and can I just calm down and do everything I can do, but actually believe that God wants to grow His church to to grow His kingdom here in New England? Like that was something that that really was hitting me when you were preaching through like. Which is stupid. I, I always want to pray through like people being saved and people coming to know Jesus. But then I always want to think through like, okay, well, what are the things I need to do after they make that choice so that I can make sure that they don't? All right, they're getting baptized. What's the next step that I have to take to make sure they don't fall away from the faith? Like, and that's really the approach that I always try and hit. So this me- this message was really good for me with you teaching through that. Uh, we could talk through that more. I don't want you to cut you off, but something that you said that I thought of is, um, so we can work and then pray after and say, hey, God bless what I did, mm. which would be the wrong way to do it. And it's probably the trap that I get caught in mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of saying, instead of asking God to bless what you've done, trying to do what God is blessing which is a little bit harder to figure out, but yeah. it's trying to on the front end say, God, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Build my church in New Hampshire. All right, how do you want me to do that? Right. I want you to reach these types of people. I want you to have this style of ministry. I want you to have this type of church culture. All right, I'll do that. I'll do that, God. And and then praying throughout it. God, I'm just checking in, right? You haven't changed the plan. This is still what you want me to do? Yeah. yeah. All right. It doesn't feel like it's growing yet. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah. Keep doing it. And then continuing to pray the whole way through. Praying on the good days, praying on the bad days. Do you think there's a portion of that that's like the fear of like, I pray after I've done it um, because like then it's almost like God can't redirect at that point. So like, I imagine Gideon, he blows the horn, 30,000 people show up and God whittles it down to 300. Imagine the 
almost frustration of like, look how hard I worked though. You think it was easy to organize the logistics for 30,000 people. Mm. And now you're redirecting me, God, you're, you're reassigning me. And I've done all this work and like that level of frustration that you could so easily have. Like, I feel like that's an easy place to get into. It's like, God, I've worked so hard to build and to do what I feel like you've called me, but look at what you're now re- removing and changing and, and yeah. redirecting. Yeah. One approach could very easily lead to burnout in whatever your calling is going to be. Yeah. If you continuously hit it so hard and God's like, well, hang on. Like we want to make it work this way versus like you were saying, pastor Nate, like going through forward with it. But that is hard. Like what you just talked through, like that's not something there's no, again, so this is, it's the part of trying to work like it all depends on me. There's no system to follow no. that would make that more possible to, to pray and to try and follow like where he's going. And I feel like that could easily lead to people being stagnant because they'd fall into the trap of I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting on the Lord. And so there's this weird tension that I feel of like, you still need to, progress forward yeah you know what i mean did we talk about it this week and it seems so long ago yesterday (laughs) 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 yesterday was long (laughs) but did i talk about this god wants us to be active or did we talk about that in the podcast i can't remember oh we talked about it yesterday so preparation yep yeah it is more important to prepare and do the wrong thing than to do nothing at all. So he got 32,000 people. God only wanted him to have 300. Yeah. yeah. But that preparation, God was going to teach him a bunch of lessons through that. So let me treat, teach you now how to trust me. Mm. Send 10,000 away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, God, we're going against three armies. Yep, send them away. Uh, yeah, now send away another 8,000. Now yeah. send it, All right, the 300 of you. And God wanted them to... I think have have learn all those lessons. The yeah. preparation is a big, 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 big process. I think that's so important because if he had led with Gideon, you need to gather three hundred. Gideon would have believed in himself to do that. Gideon would not have believed in himself for thirty-two thousand, and so the thirty-two was important to make Gideon confident. Like I can be the leader. I can mm. do this. Look at all the people who showed up. I didn't think I could do this. And then once he had the confidence, God almost reverses it and says, yeah. "Okay." Now you've got the confidence that you can get 32,000, but watch how many I needed so to what's, do it with. So what's the framework then that you'd want people to run through? So you just said two scenarios yeah. of, so how do you not get frustrated, right? So you've done all this preparedness and God's like, hey, great job preparing. We're only going to do the, this, this one thing that you prepared. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, well, thanks a lot. I just did all this other work for nothing, Yeah. right? So then what, the What's framework, the the framework not, is know? worship. Yeah. It's who's God, who's your idol. If you don't have an idol, you are free to, then you have you have true freedom mm. to do whatever God says. But what, as soon as you start struggling, you've identified an idol. Mm. God, we're gonna follow you. Moses has been up on the mountain too long. Let's make a golden calf. Yeah. Well, because what they weren't truly worshiping God, right? They, it was something else they were worshiping. Yeah. And so as soon as they didn't go the way they wanted, then they start getting irritated. 
So for us, if we say, hey, God, I brought you 32,000. Oh, cool. I only need 300. Oh, cool. Wow. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, God, I got 300. I need you to get an extra, you know, an extra 32,000. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just it's that com- when I'm completely surrendered to him. Yeah, that's good. I completely trust him. I completely worship him. It does not matter what he tells me. Yeah. Hey, God, I just built a brand new house. Cool. Sell it. Let's do it. Woo! <laughs> hey, yeah. God, I just, you know, uh, uh, whatever. God, the church is finally healthy. Perfect. Hand it over to the next leader. God, we finally built this business. Awesome. Sell it and give away all the proceeds. Yeah. God, my, my, my bank account has finally reached this much money. Great. Kingdom Builders. Awesome. <laughs> and and it's not sarcastic. It's yeah. just that adventure. Like That's, if you're truly trusting him and surrendering him, no matter what he tells you, hey, God, I want to go to Macedonia. Or I want to go here. No, go to Macedonia. All right, here we go. Um I like and not that, that some of it's not painful. We were in mortal danger as we read at worship night. But it taught us how to rely on the God who who raises the dead. Yeah. So, yeah, I think underneath. So, like you you asked the question of like, you know, how do you use? I think I got thirty two thousand. It feels like a waste. That assumes that the character you built in the process was not worth building. Mm-hmm. That assumes yep. you know. And so for us, like when you wrestle through some of these things, like we are so like results driven, Mm -hmm. like, oh, I've done this thing. I have these quantifiable things. And God's like, well, quantifiable is great, but I was building your character. That's what was more important. And we assume if God's not happy with the quantifiable, we've done something wrong, but God's trying to do more than that. He's trying to build character and he's building Gideon's character in that. And so, you know, that was an important part of the process. And, you know, and it comes both ways. Gideon got to have character built with uh, what feels like a good thing. Like, oh my gosh, I, I got 32,000 guys. A lot of times God's building character when it's like, well, I was going for 32, but I only got 300. Well, you got to learn the the character it takes to keep going. Yeah. And that's the difference. And that's the, that's the shift I think that happens. That's good. That's really so, cool. Yeah. Yeah, other other points that you brought up that were uh, pretty good. Um, I really did. I loved your story of your girlfriend and how God seemed to be answering a prayer, and what, how you. What you love about it? Just that I failed. <laughs> <laughs> I loved. I know. I loved your yield to His word, the heart behind it, because. It's, it was just such a clear example of a trap that you can so easily fall into. It's like, it's, God, it's so obvious you're doing something. But I thought, and I connected it to, um, God doesn't always provide opportunities. The enemy provides opportunities as well. Right, for So sure. when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, one of the things he tempts him with, he says, bow down before me, worship me, and I will give you all these kingdoms. Like there was a promise that he pro- that would have been fulfilled in that yeah. moment. The enemy would have given him the kingdoms. He says, "All right, you did it. Bow, you bow down here. It's yours." And so, oftentimes, like what feels like a blessing can also be from the enemy. And so, I love yeah. you. Just were like, "Hey, you've got to have a guiding principle." And look, uh, it looked like God was answering 
this prayer. And so you could have continued that relationship up to the point you could have gotten married, but what would that have done to God's kingdom on the other end? Right. right. For you to enter into, attempt to enter into ministry, like now looking back, attempting to enter into ministry with a spouse who doesn't have the same heart for God as you. Right. Like what yeah. would have happened to Restoration Church in that? And what what promises would have never come true if you had just continued to pursue what felt like God's answer? So for me, I feel like when I look back on that, I feel like I kind of had an inclining. I mean, I, I was pretty sure she liked me, mm-hmm. all right? Mm. And when I asked it, it seemed wild, but it seemed plausible mm. for whatever as... I just looking back and I'm like, I think I ha- kind of had that feeling. But I remember, so, you know, so I, I asked her, my girlfriend, we're probably like two and a half months into our high school relationship. It's going through the summer. And we had gone somewhere. She was dropping me off at my house. And um, we're sitting in the driveway, kind of talking. We pull in the driveway, right when we pull in the con- driveway, like the conversation is coming to an end. And we're talking about sex before marriage. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to wait until I'm married. And she's like, I'm not going to. And I'm like, I'm in trouble here. Mm. (laughs) I had no idea how far apart we were in our life, but I feel like I'm in danger. Mm. Because now I've got this open invitation from a girlfriend to live a completely different way than the way I've told God I'm going to live. What happens? What do we do? And I think the relationship probably ended within the next week or two. That's it crazy. was just, it was, a, you know, I ended up getting some advice from my dad, which I never did, which was a whole awkward <laughs> conversation <laughs> in itself. Um, but it just ultimately, like, I guess I misread this, yeah. God. I misread it. And That's crazy in your framework, too, of what you prayed, right? Because you thought, this is a girl I'm going to marry. Yeah. And then she just told you she's not going to wait. Until marriage, right? So that must have been an interesting thought process where you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, was- <laughs> if if that prayer's true, that means I'm not gonna be able to wait either, right? If that's if that's her goal and we're supposed to be married. You, yeah, you just feel I don't know now I have pressure. Yeah, I felt like I didn't feel like Joseph at Potiphar's house, but I felt instantly in danger. Mm. I felt I just got an invitation from a girl I like very much. Yeah to participate in things that I committed to God I wasn't going to participate in. And it was a, I was in my driveway, but it was a fork in the road. (laughs) Choose this day who you will serve. Yeah. And again, she went to church. She taught Sunday school. Yeah. She didn't swear. She didn't drink. She was a great, kind, smart girl, but she didn't follow Jesus. Yeah. And I, I, I missed it. Thankfully, I moved on, right? Yeah. It's impressive that you did. Kudos. Great, great job. You should 16, be our pastor. I'm proud of 16-year-old me. <laughs> For real. <laughs> well, I'm not a perfect person <laughs> by any means. I've made mistakes in other areas for sure. <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you work through having the humility to in the face of what feels like overwhelming evidence? Like I prayed this prayer and it's coming true, but it's not from God. How do you navigate and figure out and sort those things out. You have 
to so <laughs> I have to use the word humble here, which seems like a very prideful thing to do. <laughs> but you have to humbly admit you're wrong. Mm, yeah. And I don't really have a problem admitting I'm wrong. I mean, there's times I do. But if I'm trying to do something for God and it just doesn't work out, I just admit it. We launch a location and then we have to close it. We're just going to close it. We're not going to keep pretending yeah. or forcing it. I, I don't know that I've got a good answer for that. I think just if you're... If you're worried about your own, um, your own name, then you keep trying to force it and make it happen. Like, yeah. I don't ever hear it wrong. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I think part of like you, you partially you went through that when you're saying like you yield yourself always to scripture. Like, that, right, the written that, word that helps you. Your leadership. Yeah, it's super similar to what you what you talked about, Pastor Andrew, the last week. Yeah. You know, that that whole idea of comparing all those things together. Yeah. And wherever that tension lies is what you need to figure out, what you mm-hmm. need to focus on. But then you driving home this week, except if it's the scripture piece, that's not a tension. That's a that's like a correction. Right. So your leaders could say something different than your Christian friends. Yeah. And then you gotta work through a little bit. But if your leader says something different than the Bible, you get a new leader, right? Like you, <laughs> you have to yield through, right? You know that that idea and working through that. I think that's um that's key. That's that's a key part of it. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think, and yeah, I think, like you said, it did summarize. Um, it did summarize a lot. It was just a great example of where the feelings of God's leading me and scripture come into, can come into clear conflict. And I think people tend to overestimate one or the other, if, if that makes sense. So people tend, people can overestimate what scripture is speaking because they'll take things out of context and apply them to themselves when oh, yeah. they don't need to. So it's very easy to look at Gideon and say, well, if I want to make a decision, I have to lay a fleece on the ground. And right, if it's wet right. in the morning and everything else is dry, then yep. God is leading me this certain direction. Right. And so that can be in that can be a an overestimation of how scripture is speaking to you. Mm, yep. But then there's also the overestimation, which I feel like I encounter the other side a lot more of like overestimate God's speaking to you. It's because we're in a Pentecostal <laughs> background. Yeah. So we value hearing from God and hearing from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But people think that what they've heard from God is infallible yep. and, and it's not. Whatever we hear from God, we need to very humbly and very loosely yeah. hold on to that. Yeah. So if I go to one of you guys and I say, hey, God told me you need to do this, you don't have to do anything with that. Yeah. God hasn't spoken to you. Yeah. So you can take it and listen to it. Thank you very much. Whatever you choose to do with it is your choice. Right. I don't need to follow up with you that you did anything with it. Yeah. Hey, hey, I want to follow up with you. Three years ago, God told me to tell you to do this. Did you do it? No. How dare you? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, no. And um, you, anytime God told you 
Most of the time, you probably shouldn't tell other people. <laughs> it should be a, like a, a lot of times it's private. And in even the times where I feel most confident, I always preface it by saying, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Mm. I think God yeah. might be speaking. I want to share it with you. And it's up to you. As directional leader for the church, hey, board. I think this is the direction God wants us to go. Can we talk about it? What are you thinking? What should we do? And I th- sometimes they just take my word for it, which I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I can still be wrong. I, I, I'm feeling it just because you don't, let's talk and think because we can easily go sideways. What's an example in scripture? They thought they heard from God. They went sideways. Um, I can't on the spot. You got one, Jeremy. Think of they thought they heard from God. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But you can easily miss. This is why we prepare for the sermons. Just so we all. (laughs) I think. Well, I think everything. uh, All the the um, warnings about false teachers and not becoming a false teacher is probably. Connected with that idea, yeah. I mean, you get it. Um, Paul, I am not infallible. Yeah, so we can't just do everything I say. You are not infallible. We can't just do everything you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul talks about the super apostles. That's a moment where it shows up. The people oh, who yeah. elevate themselves and say, "No, we're not just normal apostles. We're extra. We've done this extra thing. We've done this thing." Or great example. Uh, he says, "Some of you have stopped." having sexual relations because you think you've heard from God, but you haven't. This is not what scripture says. This is not correct. This is not right. Yep. And um, so that popped up a lot in the early church was it was it was asceticism <laughs> is the name of it, that you are to rid yourself of earthly pleasures. So you yeah, know. I almost used this in the money problems in the money series. So for different wrong ways of dealing with money of the prosperity gospel. So material wealth equals spiritual wealth. Mm. So the more material things you have, then the more spiritual you are, which is mm. wrong. Asceticism, which you just said, material poverty equals spiritual wealth. So the less you have and the more you're poor, then the greater you are spiritually, which is wrong. Materialism that says material wealth equals spiritual poverty. So if you have a nice car and a nice house and nice things, then you're spiritually poor, mm. which is not true. And then the fourth category, Job's friends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make this, um, but, but material pro- poverty equals spiritual poverty. Yeah. So if you don't have a lot, then you're not a lot. Oh, but you yeah. don't have a spiritual yeah. life. You did something wrong. That's what he was saying. And all of those are wrong. Yeah. Every yeah. single one of those. Because God doesn't equal what we have with who we are in him. Yeah. We, so we're the righteousness of God in Christ. True. And then we have the riches of Christ's glory. Um. Sorry, texting again. <laughs> but the the salvation is to display the riches of his glory. So we have 
the richness of Christ mm-hmm. within us as well. And neither of those two things are about material goods. Right. Material goods are nothing. They can be an idol, which would make them wrong. Um, but they're just stuff. And if you can hold it loosely and use it for his glory, just do what he tells you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, I think the final point, this was the one. So this is the, in prepping the series, the nugget that I'll walk away with for the rest of my life that I'll be able to always remember is Gideon putting the fleece on the threshing floor, which is the place God first made the promise to him. And um, that one was just like a cool thing that I'd never noticed in reading it ever. When you look at Gideon, he is in the wine press first and that's where God first speaks to him. And so when he has to go back And Gideon, I love, he's absolutely, he's trying to learn how to hear from God. And so that's why we get the fleece story for the first time Mm. is because for the first time in potentially years, God is speaking to his people because God has been silent. It's been seasons of silence Mm. where they have not heard from him. And Gideon is all of a sudden like, I'm the first guy to hear from God. I got to make sure. (laughs) I got to know that I'm actually yeah. hearing from him. I got to be positive. And I think, and that's really relatable for on an individual pers- yeah. level. Cause like you might be the first person in your family to ever hear from God. Yeah. You might be the first, you know, you might be the first person in your household to ever hear from God. Like you, there's like this, how do I really, really know? And so Gideon just goes back to the place of the first promise. He's like, all right, God, you're speaking. I think you're speaking. I got to be really, really positive. So he goes to the threshing floor, which is the place he was scared to go before. And I think that's just a cool Mm. moment that we find in scripture that I'd never noticed before. So yeah, I like that. Your victory claims the ground that the enemy had. Yeah. That we sang. And I ended the the second service in Dover yesterday better making that point. Like what... What is that place in your mind or in your life that the enemy is taking ground? Mm. Well, go pray there again and take it back. Mm. So it could be a marriage problem. Yeah. Well, go pray about that marriage again. Take back that ground. You'd given up on it, yeah. but go back, take it back through prayer, whether it's your finances or your health mm. or our church, go back and pray there again. And to pray there again, now you've you've essentially taken it back, right? Yeah. Um, and I ended second service with that. I wish I ended the other services with it, but yeah, that's because nothing changed. In fact, it got worse. Yeah. I like that. But the point. fact that he'd stand there and pray. Yeah. Now the enemy has got no hold on that because yeah. you just prayed there. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that point when you said, actually, it's not that things got better. They actually got worse. And yet, Gideon was still even more confident. And I loved that idea because a lot of times you can end up, especially when you're talking about like when God says no or doesn't seem to answer the prayer or even worse, the thing you prayed for gets worse. So like imagine, you know, you're like, my back hurts, they pray and your back gets even worse. Like, (laughs) you know, like. They do one of those church prayers where they push me down to the ground. (laughs) Now I got a hurt hip. <laughs> but then, in the midst of that, you're like, God, Gideon is even more confident. He's like, the problem's worse, 
but for the first time I see God's even bigger and I loved, I loved that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. This series has been a good, has been really good. The confidence working through not confidence in us, obviously, but to build our confidence. It's been really good so far. I've loved both, both messages. You guys have knocked it out of the park. God has knocked it out of the park. You just (laughs) fell through. Don't want to build your ego, but (laughs) I did everything I could in the natural. (laughs) And the Lord took it. That's great. All right, cool. But I think that about wraps us up. So hold on, let's Nate, talk through. That's what I was gonna say. Resources and books and stuff. I don't know if you've got any uh, one that I would have mentioned last week, but mm-hmm. I wasn't here. Um, Confident Leader by Dan Ryland. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to grow your confidence in in following God and confidence in doing what He tells you to do. Um, I also like to read autobiographies of what. Or, or even biographies of what people have done for God. So this is a book I must have read like 17 years ago. I can't 100% remember if it's the title, but the author's Lauren Cunningham, who was, uh, he was the uh, founder of YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And I think the book is, Is That Really You, God? Mm-hmm. Um and I don't have a copy, so I had to look it up. It's about how they began to trust God to build YWAM. Mm. And they ended up like buying a ship and starting YWAM Hawaii. Hello, Olivia Vilmer. And <laughs> uh, that whole story. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm looking at on my... I just can't remember if that's the same book because Lauren Cunningham wrote like eight books. Oh, okay. So I, uh, you'll probably get some out of it. I think it was that one. <laughs> But who knows? You'll know when you read it. And four dollars on thrift books. Look at that. So those are two. And then I haven't finished listening to it, but on the way in, I was listening to a podcast, one that we mentioned before, the Naked Marriage podcast. And um, it's a musical artist out of the dust, our guest on the podcast. And so they had gotten divorced early in their marriage. Mm. But they're remarried now. So I haven't heard the rest of the story, but it seems like that's one of those threshing floor prayers where it's really bad, but I'm still going to believe God for better. Mm -hmm. And so you can listen to that with me. (laughs) Yeah. So those are, I don't have any resources off the top of my head. You got any, Jeremy? No. Any comments about worship night? We didn't talk about that. Oh, Um, man. I don't know. It was awesome. It was great. I don't know what else to say. It was hard leading up to it, but it was a great yeah. night. <laughs> it was definitely stressful leading up to it because we realized the Milton speakers were broken. So then I had to come back to Dover and find other speakers and bring them back. And then other things were forgotten in Dover. So I drove to Dover again. And it was a lot of back and forth. But They forgot Theo in Dover and did it go back and get <laughs> him? Back yeah. and he was just sitting there like just <laughs> chilling. <laughs> no, That's but- not true. But it was great. Uh, this was, I mean, just for background, in case people care through it, this was, we had Jordan and Charlotte. Uh, they really worked through the whole event. And I thought it was it was a great structure, the way we worked through it. We did, for me personally, the exciting things. We sang a new song that Restoration Worship wrote, primarily Charlotte wrote, but Restoration Worship wrote. And we announced to the church that we'll be recording 
a live album and the response was pretty awesome. I think a lot of people were really excited about it. Um, so those two things to come out of worship night, like that was really good. And a ton of people just had really great things to say about the new song. Um, so I'm just excited about that. That's a new thing that not a new thing. It's just still a dream that God put on my heart forever ago. And I feel like we're actually living it out. So it feels very surreal to actually say to a large group of people that we're coming out with a second album is just, it's just cool to me. So that was one of the biggest, you know, the biggest points of the night for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think it's a great, that's like a great little micro example of kind of the confidence thing. Cause it's always been a conversation throughout planning albums and stuff like that. And even, Hey, we're going to live record an album and stuff like that always one of the things you'll talk about is like, I'm scared people think that we just want to, we just want to elevate ourselves and we just right. want to elevate that. And just always coming back to in the conversation be like, that's not why we're doing this. Right. You know that it's, it feels like we could be doing other things rather than writing music. We could be doing other stuff, but God is saying this is an important value to us yeah. as a church and for us to pursue. Yeah. And so we'll just keep pursuing. If he tells us to stop writing albums, we'll stop writing albums. Yeah. But if he tells us to write them, we'll write them. Right. And to step into confidence in that. Absolutely. You know, so I think Look that's a that. great example. Ties to the sermon. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> On that note, love you guys. Adios, guys. Bye.